out there. Thank you for listening. This is our uh, inaugural edition of Dish and Dogs, and I'm your host. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. I'm going to note from our producer. Um, we were anticipating uh, that move, but uh, as it stands for now, we are, are still going to be talking TIGs uh, until further notice. And uh, so we're going to move forward with that. Sorry for any confusion. We are just ready to hop off this, this train that's on fire heading towards a ravine that is LSU. But uh, we're going to bring it for you this week, um, as, as much as we may, may not want to talk about it, but we, we owe it to you folks. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about LSU getting throttled at Kentucky, 42-21, to 21, a game I don't think we were ever really in, to be honest. I, I feel like we could say we were in the Auburn game. I mean, we were leading by two scores. Uh, we were kind of in the UCLA game, but this one... We just were not going to touch them, it seems. So we're going to talk about that and other implications that go along with that, which is what everyone's mind has been on, and that's Coach O and when he's going to go. Uh, it seems like the clock is ticking. The sand is going through the hourglass. We just don't know how big that hourglass that Scott Woodward holds is. Uh, I don't know. I think we, we all kind of thought, I don't know, I think one of you guys told me um, you know, if LSU didn't pull out this win, it might happen now, but uh, it seems like uh, only Scott Woodward knows that one. Um, but, you know, I guess before we, we chop all that up, uh, I don't know, hope you guys had a good weekend. I know it was probably hard to watch this game, but um, hopefully you, know, you found some other semblance of happiness. <laughs> um, yeah. How are you all doing? The, the weekend... Obviously, the LSU game was a rough three-hour stretch there yesterday evening. Did have a nice little uh, kind of treat at the end with Bama losing to AM. That was kind of out of the blue. Uh, and then there were a lot of other exciting college football games, too. So at least the, the general viewing experience was pretty good. And, mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, Coach O being gone seemed to be a foregone conclusion. But as of recording, Sunday night, he still is installed as the head coach, for better or worse. And we're going to dig deep into that, I'm sure, here in the next few minutes. At least the Saints got a nice win. And uh, we look forward to a 11 a.m. Florida game, which I'm sure Tiger Nation will be not nearly as excited about as they would be in most years, sadly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, weekend was pretty terrible. All, all I did was really watch the LSU game, and that did not really bring anything to my life that I wanted. So... I'm uh, ready to move on, but I don't see anything better coming in the future. So I guess let's just stay here at this moment. Cause I don't want to even think about what happens when Florida comes to town. <laughs> right. Well, I, I guess this has been a question that's on my mind because up until now, I thought, you know what, maybe is it the the coaching changes in the off season, changing in the systems and schemes and all that is, is, Oh, just, I don't know. Is like he just not like a good general, or is it you know whatever it is? Um, and I was wondering, you know, God, what if what if he just you know, except for maybe Bama, like if he just won out, that would be like the worst thing that could happen because everyone thinks, oh, he's on his way out. But then you know, like last year, if he just won out uh, and we went, I don't know what whatever you know, eight and three or whatever, uh, that would be. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you think, all right, well you know, could they, would they still fire him? But I, I just do not see that happening. I, I, I know we have probably one good win and that is a, uh, you know, whoever it is, UT Chattanooga or whoever else we're playing at the end of the year. 
but other Still than that, I don't know. I, I feel like we just do not have anything. Um, I'll say this, at least on the offense, it did look different. And this is probably the only thing we can really give Coach O credit for. He said he was going to focus on the run game, and he did. You know, uh, Ty Davis Price had, what, 22 carries, 147 yards, two TDs. I feel like if he had that last week at Auburn, who knows? They, they probably could have won, and it wouldn't have even been a nail-biter type of win. And I don't know, maybe it's a different discussion. I mean, I don't think they would have beat Kentucky, but still, um, it just would have changed things. But, I mean, they focused on the run, and they looked a lot better. It sucks because, A, I think our best run was called back from holding, and, B, it's like because they focused on the run, I don't know, I don't think the passing was – there as much when we needed especially if we were down three scores for most of the second half and it was just like I, I get they want to use the run to open up the pass but it's just it's not helping just just go just get some points you know it's like all right we can abandon the run at this point all right you, you've already proved that you focused on it let's just try and win the game but I, I didn't really see that happening and you know Max had an okay game I think um I don't know. I, I, I'll toss it to you, Tommy. I mean, I, I mean, that's the only bright spot I can see um, you know, other than like a few plays here and there. But uh, do you think our, I don't know. I, do you think we'll have a chance to have like a good game be in contention for any conference game the rest of this year, the way our offense is? Um, I mean, there's always a chance. I think that yeah. one thing we've learned about LSU is that like they kind of can do whatever randomly. You never really know how to predict it. But given that, if you, if you perform, if if this team performs the way they performed last night, they will not win a single game the rest of this year, except for maybe ULM, and they'll probably keep it close. Like they'll probably like they'll probably play down to that level. And ULM is one of the worst teams in college football <laughs> right now. Um. <laughs> they it was uninspired play calling from jake Peets, and like i don't even think i've really criticized him this year but that was pretty boring uninteresting no nothing no nothing out of the i mean what keeps sticking to mind is is that that fourth down call where jack besh goes out on a little like two yard out and he and like they throw it to him he drops it but like even at the even if he caught it, he was an art, he was a yard shy of the first down. And like, wait, so that's like your, that's your play. Like that's your little gadget play to run when you need a, you need a yard. You're just going to have your guy just like duck out real quick. I mean, th- there it was. And, and even Scott, you, you mentioned the run it, the rushing and like, yeah, it was good to see Ty Davis price run the ball for the first time in his career. But, uh, they, I mean, that, that was kind of their plan was to let us have that like that they never they never once committed to like a, any kind of run defense because they know that like i mean they they, they let us just milk the, i mean that game went by super quick i don't know if you felt like that and it was i i i felt like that was a, i felt like that was a really quick game and i i think it i mean I, I feel like it was because we ran the ball a lot they 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 obviously ran the ball a lot they rushed for 330 yards yeah um so the clock was running once they got a two, once they got a two score lead or three score at one point, they knew there was no way we could catch them. It was like us playing other teams in 2019, where it didn't matter what the score was at the time because 
no matter what, you can't stop us. So if we just because you score 35, we're going to have 49. So, you know, you score, we score. Yeah. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously Ty Davis Price running with some burst, which we have not seen in a very long time. And he has that talent, obviously, why we, rec- we recruited him. But it was the flip side of the coin that we've seen most of this year. Um, we've been kind of saying Max Johnson has played pretty well for the position that he's been in, but you have to kind of put some of the blame on this game on him. He did not play that well, at least in my opinion, uh, especially right off the bat. I mean, they missed the, the block and he lost the fumble on the first drive. Uh, That's not his fault. Though. That is all I mean, that is. Oh. Well, yeah, I understand that. But then he was constantly, and this is also some, maybe some of the play calling where they were trying to push the ball deep and he was constantly thrown into like double That's coverage he can't, he can't, he can't over the top. Deep His deep ball is not great. And then there was a few, at least two or three that he was lucky didn't get intercepted. Yep. Looking at his stat lines, he had no picks, but there were about three or four that went off the hands of Kentucky defenders. One and then, and then he racked up a lot of that yardage and garbage time at the end. Uh, but yeah, just offensive. It was, we couldn't convert in clutch situations. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. We had the ball, we were pushing and we missed a, a fourth down that we could have gone 14 to seven and like kept it in the ballpark. And then we, we gave Kentucky the ball back and we knew they were getting it to start the second half. And at that point the game was, was, was out game. of control. Um, we knew we were in for a long night when, obviously the forced fumble on the opening drive. And then they, they went down the field. We held them the fourth down and they plugged it in on the fourth and goal. Uh, and then you just like, Oh my goodness, here we go again. Uh, and then Kentucky just kept on rolling. There, there wasn't really much positive to say, even the final score 42 to 21, it doesn't look great, but it was 35 to seven at one point. And they were dominating us in every facet of the game. They shoved uh, it down our throats. Yeah. Literally our, our defensive line and linebackers couldn't contain the run to, to save their life. They were running at will left, right, and center uh, gashing. They had almost three players go over a hundred yards and that doesn't bode well of Florida, who I think is a primarily run first offense. They spread the ball around a lot on the ground also. Plus, our best offensive player, Kayshawn Boutte, goes down with a foot injury, and there is no timetable uh, on his return that I'm aware of. So, uh, a pretty Some say it's an Achilles, and he'll be out like into next year. Right. So, overall, pretty pretty depressing. Um, but yeah, just I think the the lack of it just seemed like nobody wanted to, to win. Like we were consigned to lose after that first drive and with the crowd, you could hear the crowd roaring blue and white back and forth the whole game. And they, you got to give Kentucky some respect. They played a good game, uh, but LSU was just not up to the challenge. Well, they're a very good team and we're not like, we're not good. We weren't good to start this year. We haven't improved in some ways. We've seems like we've regressed. Um, that, that on the defensive line, there was absolutely zero gap integrity. That, that's how they slashed through us. I saw uh, either Jaqueline Roy or uh, the other. It wasn't Mason Smith. It was whoever was opposite Mason Smith on, on one of the huge gash runs that went straight up the middle. They both collapsed into the A-gap. And this guy, and, and what's his name, Rodriguez, just like bends it back real quick and right where they want. Well, yeah, we send the linebackers around for like an edge rush or we drop them into like zone coverage and then just the whole middle of the field is open. And then Chris Rodriguez or Will Levis like on the bootleg, boom, he's, he's through. And even their backup running back was getting like 10 yards a carry or something. Yeah, that smoke. Yeah. Yeah, we got um, smoked. Well, even the QB, um, the, the first, that long run that the QB had where just nobody could tackle him, 
Do you remember that? He, he, he dragged, like, down the he dragged Ollie Gay, who's supposedly going to be a uh, going to be a, a first round or, or NFL de- defensive end. He got dragged by a m- m- like marginal at best SEC quarterback. It's embarrassing. So- it is. It is. Um, I mean, the offense, I, I don't know. Uh, we, if we, you know, if we lost Kayshawn, obviously for the rest of the season, possibly, um, I don't know. It's, that's a big blow. I mean, that was Max's guy, but uh, I don't know. Uh, there's other it, guys we, we have, but it's like, here's the thing. It's it like, doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But here's the thing is it's, it's, it's all around. It's not like one thing that you can fix and be like, this is why we're not winning this one thing. Like, Oh, the offensive line. We'll put that aside for a second, but it's like, no matter what happens, uh, if it, if the guy's wide open, Max is going to overthrow him or underthrow him, or he's going to throw it, you know, and they're the guy, he, the guy's reading his eyes the whole way and he can just step in front of the pass. I mean, yeah, we got lucky. He, they dropped. It's not like they got their fingers on it. They dropped interceptions. Otherwise Max would have had a much worse day. Um, but if that was fine, like, let's say Max did have, he's had some pinpoint accuracy passes and then they just, they get dropped. So it's like when the pass is there, the catch isn't. When the, the receiver's wide open, he could probably just drop it in a basket. It just goes sailing over his head. So they're just, they're, we're just not good all the way around. And as far as running, well, you know, uh, yeah, I guess maybe they gave us the running game. But um, it's like if, if we were doing okay with that, they would have stopped it. You know, they would have had to focus on it if we were in the game. But that just wasn't the case. And I, I got to agree with you, Tommy, that I just do not see like what, I, I don't know what they're working on in practice, but it's obviously not, you know, maintaining your gap or just, I, I don't know. It's just tackling. The tackling is just horrible and everything I, I'll premise this. Everything can fall on coach O because it's his team. And he says, you know, if it's, if it's wrong, it's on me. I get that. But I, I just, I can't understand for the life of me how, these guys just, it's like they're not trying to tackle. It's like they're maybe just going for the ball. We're, we're just not a physical team. I think that's why we're getting beat so soundly in these games. Uh, and you saw what happened to Auburn. Georgia handled them pretty well. Bo Nix looked average again, or less than average again, uh, when, you know, when they went up against a good team. So um, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine why we're not physical, but we're not. I don't know what's missing. Obviously, it falls on Coach O again, but... I just don't know that the assistance he has on both sides of the ball are, are the answer for anything. Bless him for trying, but I don't think they're the answer. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think anything, anybody on the staff is really the answer. Um, clearly not. I, yeah, I don't know exactly why we're not physical either, but it's evident we're not at all, not even close. We're not physical on either side of the ball. And um, it's embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing. We should not be losing at Kentucky at all yeah and i think with the amount of with the amount of five star top five classes we've had over the past four years uh, it's it's it we should at least be competing that was not that game was not competitive at all yeah and i think that's the the worst part about it is that we didn't really have anything that we were good at or could defend because even in years past if you think about the less miles era like we were good at a lot of stuff, which is like, oh, we can't throw the ball. And that was like our weak point. But you have strengths as well. Uh, at this point, we have basically like no strengths other than, I guess, some talented young receivers. Uh, and and the, like the talent, yes, is there. But 
it's not something that we've really parlayed to our benefit. And so that's something you have to kind of see comes from the top. Like where, where's all this talent going? It's not being converted and, and worked and molded and, and harnessed. So either it's either a development problem or it's a, it's an evaluation problem because on paper, we have a bunch of five stars, four stars. Oh, look at, but where are they? And what, and, and like, tell me who, tell me where, tell me where Greg Penn is. Yeah. Or like, like I was saying, you can have a weakness and still win. Like it's okay. It's not okay. But if our run game, isn't the best in the sec, that's fine. As long as we can have a good solid defense that keeps things in front of us uh, in a a decent passing game. But when everything breaks down and we look as listless as we did last night, that's when you really kind of start to despair and and call for the the house to be cleaned, which is seemingly what's going to happen, but hasn't yet. I guess it's might as well be time to get into that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this and it is, it's, I think it's, um, I don't know if it's an evaluation. I think it's definitely development. I mean, cause you know, we, I wanted to, well, I don't know. I know what you guys are probably going to say about this, but like just, if you're just stepping back and looking at things objectively, um, you know, after, after 2019 coach, pretty much lost. I mean, we knew we were going to lose Joe Burrow, but he lost Joe Brady. And he lost Dave Aranda, you know, pretty much the two minds on either side of the ball that were, you know, propping him up for, for lack of better words. Now we don't, we don't really have that. Uh, but then he also lost his best receiver who just sat out last year. And then midway through the year, he lost one of his other top receivers. His defensive linemen were dropping off periodically throughout the season. This season, uh, lose your starting cornerback, possibly, you know, you know, the best in the country, then you lose last night, your top receiver. I, I don't know. I, I still think this is all on O, but you know, it's like he, I, I, I think he's going to get all the blame, but you know, he just hasn't had a good hands, but here's the thing is it should be next man up. All that shouldn't matter. If we, like you said, Tommy, we have all these five stars. A&M had two freshmen starting on their offensive line last night. I couldn't tell. They're moving just fine against Alabama, you know, who, you know, we thought was the best team in the country. I think now it's Georgia, but you couldn't tell. They had two freshmen on the offensive line. I know we probably have that, but it's blatantly obvious. No, we have a, we have a bunch of seniors who can't, who play, who play like high school seniors. They play like, you know, like we. I thought Brad Davis was supposed to be better than what we had. How, How do we regress well but that's where that's what the problem is right now with with our football program is that as much as it is you know you mentioned brady and you mentioned uh you mentioned uh aranda and i'm not breaking any news here but we haven't really talked about on the podcast but all these great names that coach o likes to take advantage like likes to take credit for or say like oh yeah like that the joe brady offense was you know i was i was they right there with it i really helped and everything like well, when, when Joe Brady left LSU, O burned that bridge. He didn't, he was not like gracious or, or happy or say, you know what? Congratulations, man. Like you got an, you, you're, you're one of the youngest OCs in the NFL. Like it's because you're, you're really good and like, good luck. Like, thank you for what you did here. Thank you for helping us win. No, he burned that bridge and said like, you're a traitor and you left me and you, you're not loyal and all really? this stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, it took, uh, multiple people within the LSU athletic department trying to mend that. That's why, that's why we, that's why we got what we got last year. 
that's why we didn't get now i mean obviously jake Peets is not i don't know if jake Peets is the you know really the best choice or whatever but the reason that we that we got who we got last year which with scott linehan that was like kind of the you know what who is that what is that it's because they couldn't get a they, joe brady wouldn't take their call like he was like, I'm done with y'all. No, I don't want. And and there's a lot of all these people are saying like, man, I really Joe Brady bring him back as a head coach. It's like, that's first of all, he doesn't want to be in college football most likely. That's what everybody says. It's what he says. He he doesn't like recruiting. But then also, from what I've heard, you know, he's not keen on LSU because of what because of the bridge that was burned there. Same thing with Dave Aranda. It was it's well known that that Coach O and Dave Aranda didn't get along, especially towards the end, and. Then when he left, he he publicly he publicly and privately burns that bridge. Says, "Oh well, our defense wasn't even good in 2019. This year is going to be even better. We're already better in 2020 than we were in 2019." That was with Polini. the The fact is, is that uh, that that we've had success. O has had success almost in spite of of himself. <laughs> like like there, there's a there's a recurring thing where he doesn't like, and I mean, I think it makes sense. Like nobody in this, nobody in this, in this, on this podcast, nobody in this world, if you pay attention to college football would say that coach O is some mastermind football guy. He doesn't have, he's not a schematic genius. He doesn't have a, a really, he doesn't have a philosophy. You know, so some, some coaches have offensive philosophies. Some people have defensive philosophies. He hasn't either. Or and, and so um, he, uh, so a lot of people have, have have observed that when some when there's a guy in in the room with him that is that knows their stuff like a Dave Aranda, and and I've I've talked to people who've who've like been in meetings with Dave Aranda like X and O you know schematic meetings and they're like yeah this he's he's like insane like he's not normal he you know he knows he just like knows way too much about football it's kind of weird and Kosho is intimidated by that he he feels like you know hey like this guy keeps talking and they're gonna say like why are why isn't he the head coach why is this guy the head coach and instead of being comfortable and like you know the whole thing of like oh well like the best thing is the smartest thing you can do is sell is is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you instead of like being honest with himself he just fires these people or not fires them but get but pushes them out and pushes them away in the same way. And I mean, we can all argue about Matt Canada and whether he was good or whether he was bad or, you know, whatever, but there's a reason why they had such a big blow up and why he was gone so quick. You know, this is a guy who who's hopelessly insecure about his own, his own position in the sport and his own position in the, in his job. And it's coming, it's coming to, to play. It, it was only a matter of time, but now it is. Yeah. Yeah, and so going off of that, where do we think the whole Coach O situation is going to go from here as far as timeline? It's, it's, I know it's hard to guess. We're halfway through the season now with Florida upcoming, prospects for that game looking grim. Uh, will Coach O be the, the head coach at the end of the season? A lot of people thought if we lost to Kentucky, not even as bad as we did, but just losing in general, then he would be gone today in the past 12 hours. But um, here we are. If I had to guess – since it hasn't happened today, they're probably going to ride them out. I think maybe till the end of the season while they really kind of nail down what they want in terms of a, a new coach and staff. And I wouldn't be surprised if they wipe it clean, including like coordinators and coaches down the board who may or may not deserve it. Uh, like Jake Peets and Durante Jones. Um, I think that 
I think that if he was going to be fired this week, I don't think they'll fire him on Monday. Um, I think because because you get started into a game preparation week, I feel like that's more of a distraction than if you if you fired him today and kind of and was like you know hey he's been fired we're starting on Monday we're starting fresh with whoever and uh, and you know we're, you're going to have your preparation like you can't you can't fire him on a Tuesday you can't fire him on a Wednesday before a game so uh, I think that I think that he's fired for all intents and purposes it's just a matter of when not if uh, I think that Pete's and Durante Jones will go with him. Um, I've heard that most of the staff will, will go. The only ones that I would think would stay, actually, I, I think Corey Raymond will probably stay um, just because he's kind of an LSU institution. He's, he's yeah, he's, um, I mean, he's the uh, the dean of DBU. So why, like, I can't imagine, and plus, you know, his recruiting, I, I can't imagine anyone that came in, even if they cleaned house, I would think that'd be the one exception. Yeah, that and, and I think I've also heard Mickey Joseph might stay as well. But yeah. it, it's really up to it's up to whoever whoever yeah. becomes the coach. Like that's if if you go hire, uh, you know, some of the names that have been floated are like James Franklin or Bill O'Brien or, um, uh, you know, whoever Luke, and Luke, Luke Fickle. Fickle. Yeah, Luke Fickle. If you go hire one of them, like maybe maybe they have a DB guy. You don't know, like depending on who you're, you know, who you're hiring. So. Um, uh, but I do think that, yes, I think he's gone. I've seen uh, some say that it could be during the bot that it could be right after the old Miss game um, because that gives them two weeks as preparation for like, or to get install basically a new regime uh, because you have a bye week after that old Miss game before the Bama game. I think that's probably, that could be a good, good play, I guess. Um, but Scott Woodward also doesn't have a track record of firing coaches midseason. So people, a lot of people are pointing to that. They say you let Kevin Sumlin finish out the season at AM before he fired him and got Jimbo. He let, I don't even know who the guy was, whoever the bad coach was at Washington that went Oh, in like 12. And then he brought Chris Peterson in. Um, <clears throat> the other thing to keep in mind about last night's game against Kentucky is that that was the board of regents game. So that's like the hiring, basically like every, every hiring decision that goes for L, that, that comes before LSU has to go through the board of regents hiring and firing. Like they, they call the shots and they traveled to one home game. I mean, one away game a year and they were there with the LSU president. So it's not on purpose, but it was interesting timing that they were there. Well, yeah. So yeah, having, I, thought, I was going to say, having, was, having said that, in the, like the reverse nightmare situation, is there any like possibility in the world where Coach O keeps his job after no. the season, even no. if we go six and O like to end the season? No, none. I think uh, I, I, if, no. if, if if he went six and O, I don't know. It's like, well, like how did he do that? Like what was missing? But that's it's so far fetched. I would say no. And I like you were saying timing of things. I saw Scott Woodward there, and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh. I guess he's he's just gonna hey hey coach, why don't you uh come back here in the back with me. Let's have a talk on the way back to, to red stick. Uh, and I thought maybe that would have been it, but apparently it's not. <laughs> I would honestly, they fired miles after a two and two start. And he didn't even have, like he had an above 500 season the year before Like Cocho had a 500 season and now he's at three and three. So I, I thought they would have happened by now if they would, after this game, you know, it's like they thought, well, Auburn, they just didn't play. All right, let's see how he goes against Kentucky. It was even worse. Like, it's just, it's not going to get better. So I'm at a loss as to win. Maybe, uh, maybe 
that's just Scott Woodward's thing. He just doesn't do it in the middle of the season. But um, well, it doesn't. I, I mean, I don't know if it's. I don't think it really. The only the only way that you that you really or the only reason you fire him mid season is just kind of like f you. <laughs> like it doesn't really do anything. You're not going to sell. Like firing him isn't going to make us better. Firing him isn't gonna isn't gonna make recruits decide to not decommit. They're not gonna well, it's not gonna keep recruits. Not well. You don't know that. Well, I, I'll say this: uh, in the few times where Coach O was brought in, it's like at USC and at LSU. Granted, it was an interim thing. I, I think that's Coach O's calling card is just to be an interim coach somewhere. You know, as soon as someone's get fired, just bring in Coach O. Like that's mm-hmm. his calling card. Because uh, I don't know, the team can rejuvenate after, under new leadership. You know, if, especially if they like the coaches. You know, they've lost the coaches lost them, which is I feel like what happened last week at Auburn. That's why they didn't even show up for Kentucky. But I don't know. Maybe they're just buying time. Hopefully, they're, maybe they're trying to find a just cause. You know, like maybe because you know all these rumors about what Coach O does in his private life and all these other stuff that pops up. Uh, you know, like the Darius Geist thing. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, they're looking for a reason to fire him so they don't have to pay him seventeen million dollars. <laughs> well, I think I think they're going to pay him regardless. Um, yeah. Not, I don't know if he's going to get the full seventeen, but I mean, this guy is. Let me think of a way to say this. Um, Daniel, talk for a second. <laughs> okay uh gotta fill in a little bit of space here but well like back to the the coach o thing or, he is clearly he's clearly not taking this laying down acting gracious and saying you know what like i'm gonna give it my best if it's not good enough then you know so be it he's gonna he's gonna he's trying to bring down this ship with him he's like if we're if he's if we're going if i'm going down we're all going down and I think that would that would also. I don't think he's going to take, you know, being fired for cause and saying like, yeah, you're fired and you get nothing. I, I mean, and, and they're already in they're, they're in lawsuits right now. Um, he would clear. He would definitely sue for breach of contract, and you know, say like, I didn't do anything. And then they go into court, and it would be Ed Orgeron on the try telling all basically. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah. We did that with John Chavis, though, too. I remember. Yeah, but I, but I don't think I don't think, but John Chavis wasn't privy to all these like Title IX investigations that the NCAA is like already cares about. Yeah, I mean, so you're saying that even that could get that could get even worse. Exactly. Like, well, I don't know, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fair like, enough. if Coach, if Coach O, because Coach O then will have no. Um, will have no allegiance or incentive to like help LSU out. So he's like, well, I'll just, I'll just tell everything and tell them like why I'm not, I'm not to blame. It's whoever. And then I'm just going to, you know, it's like, if he's, he won't, he's going to take down the whole, he's going to take down the whole, the whole thing with it. Oh yeah. You mentioned that stuff and that's a very heavy cloud that kind of hangs over the position and looking past Kosho does the title nine stuff and, uh, I guess just Coach O's situation as well as our poor play on the field. How does that diminish our head coaching role in terms of like allure to potential new coaches, if any, like going forward, because we, we talked about these names, but is LSU not maybe the destination that it could be at one point? Uh, 
I don't know if any, do these coaches want to take on the baggage of uh, having an angry fan base who like demands national championships while at the same time, there's all these scandals going on in the background. Cause I think that was a question, especially in regards to Billy Napier, uh, who's been floated around as one of the main guys, but he's turned down other SEC schools because they wouldn't kind of institute his process or program. And I don't know if LSU's willing to, to kind of bend the knee to him, especially in that regard. I, I think for the right guy, they they would or, or they should. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, baggage, um, I mean, look at Baylor, you know, with what happened with our Bryles. And, you know, we mentioned uh, James Franklin earlier. I mean, look what happened at Penn State. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you talked about Bill O'Brien, too. It's like he took over after that. Mm-hmm. And look at now. It's like Joe Paterno is an afterthought, basically. Uh, Penn State, you know, until they lost this weekend, was in the hunt for the playoffs. Maybe they still are. I don't know. But – it's like all that is basically behind Penn State, the program. Same with Baylor, I think. Uh, and I think that can be the case with LSU. Like I said, as long as they can just get it all up and out of the way instead of just like things just keep coming up, it seems. <laughs> so once all that stuff is passed, then yes. But not, not if stuff keeps popping up. Um, yeah. yeah, I've heard about Billy Napier. That'd be good. And then so that, that- – the whole reason I was kind of bringing this up is that I see the future where we kind of end up settling for someone who we don't necessarily want in a similar situation to what happened when Les Miles was fired and we stuck with, Oh, like the interim coach who like had some success and you kind of dance with the devil that, you know, Mm -hmm. and we missed on Tom Herman and Jimbo Fisher, who looking back, maybe that was a good thing that we didn't get Tom Herman. Uh, But in this case, like what, we saw this last year with some of the coordinator hires where we were going after like Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati and uh, the guy from the saints and what Ryan happens. Nielsen. Yeah. What happens when we strike out on our top two or three uh, candidates for head coach, and then we're left scrambling for someone else. Thankfully I don't have to make that decision, but. Well, uh, I think the important thing to realize is that in the past two years, the man who's been making these hires that we've struck out on or missed on or uh, is that Orgeron. But the one who is, uh, but but the one who's going to make this decision to replace Ed Orgeron is not going to be Ed Orgeron. I don't think. Or that, Joe Oliva. Or Joe Oliva. Yeah, you're right. So I don't think that we'll we'll necessarily like. I don't know if we're necessarily going to have to settle in like a way like oh we're we're only going to be able to get. I think I think he's gonna. It's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to money, and I think that Scott Woodward has clearly has clearly shown he doesn't care about how much things cost. I mean, he paid Jimbo Fisher $75 million. But Texas A&M has plenty to spend, right? Yeah, I know, but I think, I think he's going to spend, I think he's going to spend as much as he literally, as much as he can. I don't think he's going to say, well, you know, let's not spend too much. Like even if he, if he has the money, he's going to spend it. He's going to, I think he's going to buy the most expensive coach he can get. Yeah. Or, or give whatever his top choices. I think he's going to give him as much money as he possibly can to make, make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah. And so you might have to do that to pull someone. And, um, and, I, and I do think that LSU is still a very attractive job. Um, let, let me ask you this, because there was another name that popped up, but he's already coaching in, the SC, in, our, in our division, Lane Kiffin. Mm. People keep mentioning Lane Kiffin. I'm thinking, all right, but if I'm Lane Kiffin, it's like, why? Um, at this point, it's a lateral it's almost a lateral, if not a down move. I mean, in the long run, LSU, I think an LSU is a better program. It's a better school overall as far as athletics. But it's like he's already got Ole Miss to where they are. He's going to have to come back to LSU and start over. Like what, what would be the draw there other than 
more money, maybe. Well, I think it's more money. I think it's uh, and I, I don't actually. I, I agree with you. I don't really buy the Lane Kiffin thing, but we might be proven wrong because there's so many there's so many people who claim to be insiders saying it's Kiffin. He's gonna, you know, he's ready to go. I've heard I heard somebody say today Kiffin wants the LSU job. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that the the allure would be it's uh, more money. Like LSU will pay him more money. Scott will will, will definitely pay him more money, and then you do have a lot more plug and play defensive talent at LSU. Yeah. You, you have a, on average, a better chance of winning a national championship at LSU oh, than, than yeah. Ole Miss. So yeah, if that's what you're going for, then you, you move there. Ole Miss, the expectations are tempered in some respect where their fans, they want success, but they're not like raged when they have a, like a nine and three season or something. When but see, I don't think <laughs> LSU fans are actually, I don't think that, that, that LSU fans are like going to fire. I don't think we're going to go through a thing where we're going to hire a bunch of coaches and fire them every three years because they don't win a national championship. I think it's more of, it's more of like, how do you use the, how do you, how do you make, how do you make, make do with what you have or make, or, or utilize the talent you have. I think that what makes LSU fans so mad is when we have a 2011 team that should have definitely won a national championship and we botch it the way we do, or we have, uh, what's supposed to be a very talented team last year and we botched it or even this year. So I think that's what, that's what LSU fans care more about. I don't think it's necessarily just like, Oh, we want rings. And if you don't give us rings, you're done. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot of pressure to be under. I think, Oh, knew that, but he, I mean, he welcomed it because it was his dream job. I think that's the hard part is finding, you know, if it is Kiffin or if it's somebody else, like, I, I don't think that they're just going to like, if they had success, I don't think they're going to set up shop and plant their roots like Nick Saban has, you know, because Nick Saban could work anywhere he wanted to starting tomorrow. You know, like if he wanted the LSU job, he could have it. If he wanted the Texas job, he could have any job he wanted to, but he just doesn't want to. And what they need is somebody like that with longevity. I mean, they had it with Miles, but, you know, eventually his, his effect just started to wane off and he just, he wasn't, you know, keeping up with the time, so to speak. But that's the thing is, you know, yeah, you could win a title, but then, you know, who knows if Lane Kiffin, after he, if he feels good and wins a title, he's like, all right, I think I'm ready for the NFL again. It's like, they're, they're going to keep going through that. And it's, it's not, uh, you know, that's just, that's the business of it. Um, but yeah, I think LSU fans want that sustained, that sustained success. Cause they feel like, why not? Why, why not us? We have it. Um, like even like you, like we talked about last week, even if we're not beating Alabama every single year, there's no reason why we can't go 11 and two and still, you know, maybe squeak squeak into the playoff or something. But who knows? Y'all want to put the coaching talk in the pocket for next week and then do some quick hitters on yeah, the rest sure, of the stuff. Sure there'll be more to talk about next week as far as coaches. What about what about Florida game coming up here? Uh, not looking good for the Tigers. I'm gonna get that three game losing streak. I'm predicting Florida 30, LSU 16. Uh, in the, the early game, fans might be heading home at noon. That's a, that's a yeah. weird score, Daniel. Where'd you get 30 to 60? You just pull it out of pulled it out of a hat. Pretty much. Well, didn't we score 16 against – never mind. I, I don't know. Because that's like – It's fine. A, a touchdown, a, a touchdown and three field goals because that's the type of expectations I have for our offense. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that was the first time – this week was the first time I picked LSU to lose and – well, unless it was like Alabama, but um, I just did not expect us to lose, to be down by 
four touchdowns at one point or three touchdowns or whatever it was. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kentucky did beat Florida, although Florida definitely gave them a better game. The fact that it's at home, I don't know. Maybe that'll help us a little bit. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think it might stay close, uh, closer than that. I don't know. I'd say Florida, Florida 34, LSU 27. Makes sense. A little no. bit high scoring. Well, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's LSU. So I'm going to say 24, 34 to 24. The ugly Gators. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be almost like a replay of the last game. It might even get worse. Uh, Florida. I mean, if we had trouble, if we had trouble with with Kentucky, what are we going to do with Florida? Kentucky did beat Florida. Yeah, but I don't know. Like you now, Kentucky is like a is a really um, they're a tough. They play tough. Like they're not. They 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 play. It's eleven scrappy guys given that they're all in every single play. Um, especially but, against us. Against us, yeah, especially. But I think that I think that Florida has definitely has like the better athletes, better, you know, talent. Um, if Florida puts it together, I think it'd get ugly real quick. Uh, the line is 10 points for Florida favored by 10 right now. I think I think they easily cover. I would I would put it like 45 to 45 21 on or you know maybe maybe more for Florida. But I'm sure we'll, we'll score. We'll score some. Like I think it. I, but I think it's going to be another one of those games, like last, like last night, where no matter how many times we score, they'll be up by two or three, and it's just not going to matter. Yeah, because we have no defensive line or know how to tackle. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. Are there any other uh, like big showdown? Oh, I know Georgia's playing Kentucky this week, so that'll be a good barometer. I think yeah. of where each of those teams stand. Yeah, that's that probably might not be a really good game. Yeah, that's not one that uh, Georgia had circled on their calendars going into this year, but they, they already announced College Game Day going back to Athens for that. Oh, uh, so it should be exciting. I uh, wanted to, to hit on Alabama real quick, having their 100-game streak against unbeaten opponents snapped by AM and their backup quarterback. Who saw that one coming? Yeah. Uh, the crowd was rocking in Kyle Field, Saban first ever loss to a former assistant. Did y'all see Saban's like security guy truck that one of the AM girls like running yeah. on the field? Yeah, That's like ridiculous. they were escorting him off the field, and then the AM fans were flooding on, and then the security guy just boom, stiff arms pretty much and clotheslines this uh AM girl oh, wow. onto the ground. Uh so sad for them. I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama does sneak back into the playoff at the end here. Uh, especially yeah. considering the SEC West um, shaking up, they'll still make the SEC championship, and that'll still be a game to watch against Georgia. And then they're they're going to play Mississippi State this week and obliterate them. Oh yeah, Saban not going to be happy. Yeah, well, I don't know if if, if uh, you know if they do make the SEC title game, and Georgia beats them. I don't think they're in the playoff, which is good. Uh, you know, if they hadn't lost, this is the scenario I, I hate. Is like if they made it to the SEC title game, play Georgia, Georgia wins. But, you know, Alabama being Alabama, it's like they drop them one spot, you know? Uh And then it's like they're right back in the playoff if someone else loses or just doesn't look good past the eye test, so to speak. So I'm glad because that way if Georgia beats them in the title game, they're pretty much assured not to be in their playoffs. So thank you, Jimbo. Anything else is for any other games this weekend that you got your eyes on? 
Mm, not too much. My only good prediction so far this year was predicting Cincinnati to go undefeated. They're still rocking number three in the country. Bearcats to the playoff. I'm all about it. Uh, I thought you said today. they weren't going to get the playoffs. Well, well, I said in the prediction, I said they were going to go undefeated but miss the playoffs, but I didn't really kind of expect the chaos that was going to ensue. Yeah. Um, and that can obviously still happen. Uh, we just have to see whether this, the committee is that anti group of five. And then Iowa, number two, who in the world saw that coming? They knocked off a, a good Penn State team, but uh, I haven't seen Iowa doing this in, in a while. And that's a team, like you can see, can getting exposed against some some better talent, but uh, like they could get throttled by Ohio State, who's actually looks like a pretty good team the past few weeks uh, on their return after dropping to Oregon at the beginning. Yeah. And then there's always Michigan lurking around, although kind of like in other, other teams, it's like they look good for the first five, six weeks, and then you know, they kind of just start to expose themselves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's big tens looking uh, pretty good. They got what three in the top three in the top 10. So they, I don't know. It's gotta be someone Cincinnati. I don't know. I almost hope they, they can make their playoffs just to see what that would look like. But you know, I'd be surprised if Luke Fickle's not getting calls already about the end of this season. So yeah, congrats. Um, other than that, um, I did want to mention before we head out here that uh, some some good news, you know, in the LSU campus, uh, there is some coach that's still, you know, making progress, even after he might have found himself in some troubled waters. uh, And that's Will Wade Um, just landed another five star, uh, big uh, five star power forward, Julian Phillips. Uh, I think he he got him Friday night. Uh, he's from Missouri, but he was rated the number two power forward in the country. Uh, I think the number 15 overall, uh, recruit in the 2022 class. Uh, I mean, he could have gone to Tennessee, Florida state, USC, but, uh, he's, he's coming to the Tigers. So, uh, congrats to him and to, uh, to Will Wade. Yeah. I'm ready to say it here. First LSU basketball school, mm-hmm. uh, Will Wade five straight classes with at least one five star, uh, the pair shaped man strikes again. Dropping a bag. Uh, I don't know how he does it, bringing the people into LSU, but yeah, it makes me excited, especially with all the transfer talent and stuff coming in. Uh, with the name is Darius Days uh, staying from last year. Uh, so it should be hopefully a good season for the Tigers. And I'm looking forward to some solid LSU athletics after this football season wraps up. <laughs> right. It's like, well, baseball's starting fall practice. So there's that. We can kind of slowly transition from one to the other. And uh, you know, not have to let football uh, affect us too much. But uh, I don't know, guys. Any uh, any final thoughts? Don't think so. We'll be back, I'm sure, with more. Uh, hopefully, not sadness, but in all likelihood, yes, next week. And we'll see whether uh, Coach O still has his shirt or not. Yep. And that's what we've been saying for the past like three weeks. But we continue to do this dance, and uh, we'll we'll do it again next week. Yeah. Speaking of dance, I can't wait to see what this this call and show on TJ ribs is going to look like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, it's like, I, I think hope, last week Jay called, Boy in, calls said, in again. <laughs> was that the guy that said, don't sleep with my daughter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's always a fun one. I, I, if I was there, I would go to that. I would go have some ribs or whatever, whatever they do there. Um, Cause that's just, See. I don't know. It's probably like the WWE, right? It's just, it's entertainment for you. Um, not Daniel, anything? Did you already say it? Uh, I'm out. Yeah. You're out. D is out. Uh, I guess I'm out too. I mean, that's the only thing I wanted to mention was, uh, was Will Wade get another five star, but, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think most of Tiger, while well, the rest of the country is said, oh, yeah, it was a one-hit wonder. Uh, it was Coach O this, Coach O that. Like, yeah, that's so what? I mean, you still can't take 2019 from us. No matter how much you want to downplay Coach O, we don't care. We'll yeah. get somebody else and do it again in three years. What about you? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, stay tuned next week. Who knows? We might have some bombshell news for you. Or... We just, you know, might have some uh, some some more what if scenarios uh, considering what happens against Florida. But either way, uh, we'll have it for you uh, as we are dedicated. Um, so until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tapes.